Thank you for joining us for this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And welcome to this episode. It's been a month since I've seen Megan, so I'm very excited to get caught up with you a little bit. It's great to be back. How are you? How are you? What's going on in your life? Good. Uh, I would say uh, my parents were visiting last week, so they were there for the whole week. So that kind of really changed up my life. You know, I didn't make any appointments and so I was kind of closer to home and, and uh, functioning with, with their visit. And it was a good visit. We kept kind of busy doing a lot of activities and things. And so, you know, that yeah, was good all in all. Um, Did you get to go to the trace? Did you spend no, some time out no, there? we didn't because it was a shorter visit and uh, you know, all during the school week and you know, my son had school and everything. We just stayed, you know, closer to, the city property. Okay. Um, so it was good. I went to go see the Chosen movie, actually. Uh, well, my oh. parents uh, took them to see that, and that was good. I, um, You probably haven't seen it, right? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers, although by the time this posts, maybe most people have already seen it. I, th- I don't know. I think it's running all the way through the end of February into March. But what I will say is this, and maybe we can talk about it again at another point later when it wouldn't be a spoiler at the end of it, there is a very, very important reality of the Christian life that can be hard to deal with. Mm. And I can say it without giving it away. The, the thing, the question of when something tragic happens, Jesus doesn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And he's standing right there. Mm. So this idea of when we experience tragedy in life, the question can often arise in our hearts, where were you, Lord? Yes, uh-huh. And often in the, in the course of spiritual direction, we, we have to face those issues and experience our anger and our disappointment and everything that the Lord didn't step in when we wanted him to step in. And we often think, well, it's not that he didn't step in, he just wasn't even there, when the reality is, yes, he was there. And he didn't step in because there were reasons that go beyond our understanding. Exactly. And th- that the the movie has a scene that literally shows that reality mm-hmm. that he's right there and allows something to happen. Okay, so is this like a feature film? A feature well, what it film? is is it's the first three episodes of season four that oh, are strung together gotcha. and being shown at the theater. Okay, okay. So what I'm talking Thanks about how it would happen yeah. at the end of the third episode of season four. Okay. But I think it's a, there's so much, and maybe we'll do a show about it sometime about how you deal with this reality that the Lord doesn't always answer the prayer that you want him to answer the oh, way you I want know him about to that. answer it. And we, we've done, we've done a little bit on that. Yeah. My, my well, Rosie. Rosie one, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that just that idea of he is right there. Yeah, for sure. Even if he's not doing what you want him to do. So I, I thought that was a really profound, you know, moment that um, is a struggle in a lot of lives uh, in the Christian walk. So I hope it, it generates conversations in a healthy way. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I have decided that during Lent, I will allow myself with no screens, but in community with Paul to watch quality movies like or shows mm-hmm. like The Chosen and um, gosh, I forget the. Wild, the Wild Goose production? 
The wild oh, goose. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. stuff is so uh, high quality. I love it. I can't think of Father Pivanka. Isn't he another Pivanka? You sure. know, it's also cool, something that I just, I had totally forgotten about. I'd been told, you know, signed up with a dis- subscription of the parish of the formed. Yes. There's a lot of movies on there, like mm-hmm. about saints and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just recently watched um, one about the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Okay. And it was really well done and uh, very I've really appreciated it. And so I'm I'm looking forward to kind of digging into some of those other yeah. lives of the saints because well, they're just amazing. And I've heard that the new Cabrini movie that's coming out oh, yeah, I is supposed see that. to be one of the best ever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking really forward to that. I'm really song. looking forward to it too. And I'm, I, I think in this day and age where movies are so much moving towards this like feminist thing where it's like, you know, there can be no hero. That's a man at this point. And the woman always has to come and save the day. And usually like it's a teenage girl at this point, you know, but I think I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that this movie can bring a Christian perspective on the reality of how women can be strong and be forces in the world without having to take the roles of men. Exactly. You know, Well, along those lines, what we're talking about today is near and dear to my heart because I went to a retreat. So speaking of things that I've been up to, we had a beautiful day of reflection at our parish this past Saturday. We had two priests talk and a lay person talk. And the title of the day was The Joy of Lent. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we want to try and pull out what is the joy in that, of course, which is interesting to try and unpack a little bit. Okay. Hey, so we haven't done a, a temperature check in oh, a while. Go for it. And so I think we'll do one of those uh, before we even get to talk about this, because the joy of Lent implies a certain emotion as it relates to em- entering into Lent. Mm-hmm. So uh, the temperature check is, where are you at right now? As we record this, Lent starts tomorrow. Uh, so I want to exactly. temperature check on where we're at emotionally as it relates to the beginning of Lent. Um, I, I, as a convert, I really appreciate Lent. And when you hear the um, theology behind why we do it, to strip away all that has kind of cluttered our life, it's like cleaning out your closet every year. Mm-hmm. It gets cluttered during the year. And the same can be with our souls and spirits, right? So we want to take that time to examine what we, what kind of clutter do we have and need to get rid of, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I'm excited because I usually come out on the other end refreshed, like doing some of the um, fasting, prayer, almsgiving, and what is the other one, the mortifications and things like mm-hmm. that, um, I find very uh, cleansing. So I I enjoy Lent. Well, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> I will say this. I think that I am less excited than I have been in the past, and that's actually a good sign. Ah. So, and I'll explain to you why. In the past, um, I have been very gung-ho about Lent. It's like, let's do this. I'm mm-hmm. going to rock this Lent. I'm going to own it. You know what I mean? Okay. And I think... I have settled into a place of, wait a second, this isn't about me achieving something. Mm, This is really about me settling more deeply into a spirituality that is 
conscious, intentional, willing to make choices to minimize my sensuality and increase my surrender. And so there's in the past, there's been like a real take the bull by the horns kind of excitement of the challenge. And this year I'm more like, okay, let's see how the Lord and I are going to journey together this Lent and Mm -hmm. how I can be attentive to what he's asking of me and quiet, like to quiet Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. instead of kind of being noisier about what I'm going to do, you know? And so I feel very peaceful about it, but I'm not like revved up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I've discerned how I'm going to do it from the standpoint of, you know, abstinences and um, prayer commitments and, and all those sort of things. But I'm also feeling very docile that I don't have to be like, this is what I planned and this is what it's going to be and whatever. But just understand that like the Lord may guide me to make course corrections, to take on something else or to give up something. Exactly. And, and just be cool with that to really look at it as less of my own journey, but a journey that I'm doing with the Lord as we walk towards Calvary together and learning from him where I need to die and knowing that he's holding my hand the whole way, the whole way. So beautiful. That's where I'm at. So you are going to bring some fruit of a retreat that you went to that will maybe help uh, our listeners Mm -hmm. kind of discern where they want to go with their Lent. Right. So the first talk was by father David uh, Parker and it was the joy of Lent through prayer, right? Mm-hmm. And so he kind of challenged us t- to some extent to look at prayer in a little different way. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, what old is new kind of thing. Right. And one of them was like the slow down. He challenged us to always go the speed limit mm-hmm. during Lent, which I thought was really great. To have a real conscientious slow down which I really love that notion, which leads right to um, getting rid of distractions in your life. Like what distracts you from God? I mean, I'm asking you that too. You can ask me too, mm-hmm. but, but what, what is it that like squirrel, you know, what is that distraction <laughs> sure. yeah. that kind of pulls you away from that constant trying to abide with the Lord, mm-hmm. which I think that's one of our goals is, is to abide with him constantly. Yeah. And I don't know. Sometimes I think this side of heaven might not be possible, but maybe oh, it is. Oh, well, I mean, I think it's you're, yeah. we're all going to be, we're all fallen and we all are going to, you know, fall short of his glory at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always going to be a work in the project, pro, you know, process. Like I don't think anyone can ever say I have achieved absolute 100% abiding. Like, I mean, no, <laughs> that would be a complete, Lack of humility, probably. But the one of the things that I like to idea is abiding with Christ. So recall those times that you really feel that sense of abiding with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I feel like that is like an adoration chapel, sometimes in morning prayer, and definitely at mass. Those mm-hmm. are the times where I feel that sense of abiding. So, um, And things that are all present during that time is silence, 
Mm-hmm. And as you and I have talked about before, silence is a language of God. And how can we bring in more silence in our life during this Lenten season? Mm-hmm. And for me, um, as, as, as much as it's going to hurt, I'm probably going to turn off the radio in my car when I'm driving. Mm. Sorry, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> Our producer today. Um, yeah. As much as I love it, I think that, you know, it's a good thing that I'm setting aside for a better thing. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Although, you know, I do think it's interesting. Sometimes we can get in our heads that it has to look a certain way. Like, so you're describing experiences that are very intentional, right? Where you're at mass, you're at adoration, you're, you're entering into morning prayer. So you are creating a space where it's dedicated to prayer. You, you've decided that you're going to do that. And, and then there's the circumstances that are conducive to it. Right. And that's all good. And we need to do that. We need to do that. Absolutely. But it's possible that we could also grow in this understanding that it doesn't have to look that like wrapped up with a bow for it still to be a place of abiding. Because one of the things I was thinking about is if you say you have, um, say you and your spouse, like you have times where you know, you're really on a date night, say, and you're really attending to each other and you're really having good conversation and things like that. Or you're in the marriage bed and you're really attending to each other that way. And there's like, so there's a, a, a very specific intentionality that, you know, gives you that palpable sense of being in connection, right? But then sometimes in spouses, we work together towards something. Right. Where we're, we're kind of, we go more shoulder to shoulder and we're, you know, oriented toward a shared purpose. So we're not necessarily face to face, really touchy feely interacting, you know, quietly engaged, but the, the activity becomes a shared purpose. And then, and then afterwards you can look at each other and you're like, wow, look at us, look at how we worked together. So sometimes I think we can expand our sense of abiding in the Lord by inviting him in to the activities. So, you know, I'm, I need to go, uh, you know, go to the grocery store. Okay. It's not going to be that like quiet, super intimate, lovely time, but to maybe say, okay, Lord, why don't you come to the grocery store with me? And let's say, you know, think about how you would respond to, you know, looking at all this food and the abundance and how God's, you know, the father has graciously given his children this abundance. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. And then seeing God in all the uh, other shoppers. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. The, the spark of divinity within. Right. And then, so that may be some way that like, say for some reason, some person in their state in life doesn't have the freedom to spend a lot of time in the quiet and in the real intentional and everything while they should really strive to find those places and create those places. It doesn't mean that those other more active places have to be surrendered and not be places of abiding. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. I still like the idea of the silence bringing more silence in though, Mm -hmm. um, because I'm very easily distracted and I find that silence helps with that. Um, so yeah, I will try to live in silence in the grocery store. 
Yeah. Just see if I can bring that You know what can help? Earbuds. (laughs) Listen to sacred choral music while you're grocery shopping. It can make this like little heavenly bubble in the hustle and bustle. There you go. But one of the things that you mentioned um, that the priest said in your retreat that I wanted to jump in on a little bit is the go the speed limit thing. Because as you were saying that, the first thing I thought of was, well, how do you know what the speed limit is? Where is it posted? And as a person who has been stopped many times for going above the speed limit, (laughs) I can say that this is not actually my, my strength when I'm in a car. But another thing that came to mind also, though, was that idea of sometimes we start Lent as if it's a sprint when it's really more of a marathon. And so we're going faster than the speed limit at the beginning. And then we wonder why we crash and burn, like why we get Mm -hmm. totally out of gas. Um, So that idea of really trying to begin Lent with an understanding of like, this is a bit of a long haul and I need to pace myself. I need to like, not, you know, go so whole hog right at the beginning that I'm not going to be able to sustain something and then fall into a place of feeling like I've failed. Right. One of the other things he said that is along the same line is to slow down in times of transition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way I took that was as I was getting out of my car to come here into the studio to take that moment of pause, recollect, slow Mm -hmm. down, say prayers as I'm walking up the stairs, I'm coming to sit down So I love that idea of every time we transition something in our day to slow down and pause and pray during that time. And one of the things he suggested giving up for Lent is too is rushing, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really cool thing. I've heard that years ago and thought that was like, wow, that really resonates with me because I find that if I do rush, it throws my whole day off mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm not focused on the Lord. I'm not focused on divine providence. You know, I'm, I'm like too engrossed in the worldly time thing. So I call it the tyranny of time. I am definitely, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, I fall guilty of that. Yeah. You know, this, the little scene that's coming to my mind right now is, uh, I love the the sound of music, the Me movie, too. the sound of music. Wow. And there's that scene where uh, Maria, she's been out on the in the hills, being alive with the sound of music, and she's late for for uh, it's just, I don't maybe vespers, vespers yeah. or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so she comes running in, and all the nuns are stately walking slowly to the chapel, and she's running in, and it's just this idea of like when you think about. Um, in monastic life, there is this pace that's not rushed, that mm-hmm. it's slow and intentional and allows time to just ponder along the way. But you're only going to be able to live that if you actually do do some planning so that you're not rushed and late for things, right? So it, it doesn't just happen because we have to be intentional um, because it's rude to be late. <laughs> so it is rude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's transition to the next little talk. Okay. It was really great too. It was on fasting and he brought out a really great point that the main point of fasting from whatever it is, and we'll talk about some of that too, is to configure yourself to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why we do this. We want to configure ourselves to Christ by abstaining from something, mm-hmm. fasting from something which I really, really love that. And the focus of being the 40 days, obviously to like 
change any patterns that we may have. Mm-hmm. So I, he also referred to the Lord this way, Megan, that I hadn't heard that I thought was so beautiful as the true North. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that really means? True North? Well, when you're thinking about like um, you're navigating and you're using a compass, right? Mm-hmm. And the compass is set so that the arrow will point to true north. And what, and so everything that you do is in relation to where the true north is. So how do I know which way to turn? If I know I need to travel east, well, how do I know where east is if it's dark and I don't see in the, and say the, the sun's not rising, which would tell me it's east where the sun rises, but I've been sailing all night and now I don't know what direction is east. So I have this compass and it shows me where true north mm. is. And then I can, once I see where true north is, then I know, okay, I needed to make a 90 degree turn so that I can go east. So what it does is it, having Christ as your true north means every decision, every movement is in orientation to that. Right. That That's he beautiful. is the guiding principle of, of mm-hmm. every move that we make. Right. And it's a beautiful I way love to that. look at it. I like it. that. Yeah. The true north, you know, uh, uh, the light of our path in a way. Yeah. And I love that you, him. you know, that idea that true north doesn't change because it's light or dark mm. or what time of day it is. It's, it, it's constant. Right, right. It's faithful. It's trustworthy. Well, some of the things he mentioned about fasting from which are uh, sins, like um, one of them was fast from pride. How do you do that? I think that's a really good thing to look at or say that if you're prone to anger, fast from anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and like in my case, prone to sensuality, fast from that. So fast from the desire for comfort and choose the uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Which I think is is really, that gets to the heart of it for me too, because that's one of the things that will kind of pull me away from my true north, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think that that actually calls you to grow into a deeper place of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because in order to fast from pride or fast from anger or any of these other um, vices, we have to acknowledge that they exist within us and try to come to understand where those near occasions of sin are, because if we're trying to avoid them, then we're going to need to avoid placing ourselves in the situation that tends to cause it. Exactly. And and that's a beautiful place of self-discovery and growth and holiness, which is really growth and holiness is what Lent is really all about in the end. Right. Uh, Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I really, I, I love this notion. I thought it was like really pointed like that little, like the good spirit, a spear in your heart, like the wounded heart, right? Mm-hmm. Which is to be very aware that um, we can become spiritual slaves when we can't say no to something. Mm, absolutely. What, yeah. what is your, I can't say no to, and this is really what convinced. So I'm going to tell myself, I started thinking about that more in earnestly and, and thought what would be one of the hardest things for me to give up this year? Mm-hmm. Because generally abstaining from stuff is not kind of my, real forte in, in Lent. Usually right. in Lent it's choose something that draws me closer mm-hmm. and choose something that's drawing me away. Give that kind of thing up, right. distracting sure. me. But essential pleasure, because comfort's one of my big things, mm-hmm. was, and you'll appreciate this because you know me so well, I'm giving up cream in my coffee. Ooh. I'm going to have black coffee. 
All right. But maybe not black. I might still have some grass-fed butter in there. Maybe. I don't know. But someone said that was cheating if I did that. But Well, butter is cream in a certain I form. So. <laughs> okay. You're the second person. Yeah. So maybe that's, that tells me something. But I just, I just really want to impress upon that imagery of being a slave to something, which mm. is what sin is and does. Yeah. But we never say it in that, you know, it's so watered down in our culture. Well, why don't we make that the topic of our next episode? Detachment. Mm-hmm. And so really coming to understand those places that we have attachments and how can we work towards disentangling okay. those things and becoming more de- detached. So stay tuned. Yeah. But one of the things I did, I would, since we're going to kind of wrap this up, um, there was an idea that I wanted to bring into it as far as you, it said uh, fasting, is, you know, configuring ourselves more towards Christ. And, and that's a beautiful thing. But a verse that came to my mind also was, you know, when the Pharisees are challenging Jesus and he's like, you know, why are you, you know, eating on the Sabbath or why are you doing all these things? And, and Jesus says to them, there'll come a time when the bridegroom is not with them, you know, his disciples, and they will fast in that day. Mm-hmm. But now the bridegroom is here and, and we, you know, basically saying like, let's feast while the bridegroom's here. Lent is a time that we can grow in our longing for the presence of the Lord and for the return of the Lord. And he has said himself, when the bridegroom is not here, you should fast. And so if we can look at our fasting, not simply as a a means of self-improvement or growing in our own holiness or, or even becoming more like Christ, but also an expression of our longing for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, you know, if say you, you're just heartsick for your beloved. You don't tend to like want to go out and party or eat a lot or, or, you know, be drinking unless or maybe you have a disordered relationship with alcohol. But you know, like when your heart is sad and you're longing for your beloved, you tend to kind of keep things simpler. And so, that's an invitation for Lent to really look at the fasting and the abstaining as part of a way that we can show our Lord just how much our hearts desire him. Exactly. To be configured more closely to him. Yeah. And the last thing to end on, which I thought was really cool when it talked about almsgiving, um, she, she strung it together like this. If you look over your kind of your, your history and look and examine your personal woundedness, from there, some virtues probably sprung, mm-hmm. right? And virtues are talents that do serve the Lord. Charisms too is that. And to use those gifts that sprung from the wounds to give of yourself to mm-hmm. others, however it may manifest. So maybe you have a gift for music and you do music. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe, you know, in, in my personal case, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I I delight in um, making others feel loved, which is kind of that sprung from my sure. history of not feeling like mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Um, things like that. So I, I think it's really beautiful when we think about how God has used our woundedness to create a beauty in our lives mm-hmm. and to use that to give to others. Yes, good almsgiving as well as, of course, the material and... Um, material needs of the poor, but truly the time, talent, and treasure. So what is your treasure of your heart? But I just thought it was a great perspective to think of, you know, well, why are you different and how are you different because of your, 
your upbringing and your woundedness and what are those gifts and talents that were given to you then to share with others, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. It's a beautiful way to look at uh, looking at yourself basically as a gift. And I think that may be a challenge for some people. Some people do struggle to see their own goodness, their own beauty and the fact that they are a blessing and that they can bless others through the gift of themselves. And so that might be a place of, um, journeying with the Lord during Lent, if if one struggles to see themselves as a gift, that that be something to ask the Lord to to help him see, to help that person see themselves through the Lord's eyes, and and to grow in the knowledge of themselves as gift and a and a an offering that is pleasing. Beautiful, I think it's a great like paradigm shift on a way to give alms during Lent. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, we're so glad that you joined us uh, and we hope that uh, your journey through Lent will be a fruitful one. We'll be with you. And uh, next time we'll be talking about detachment. So we hope that uh, you'll tune in for that. And uh, while we don't want you to be disordered in your attachment to the podcast, (laughs) if you are attached to it and find to a degree and finding that you're blessed by it, we, we hope that you'll share it with others. So um, thank you again for joining us. And until next time, I hope you remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless.